and welcome to Here There Be Dragons, a Black Sails podcast. I'm Chelsea. I'm Lewis. And we're back with season two again. Season two, episode two. It's a really good episode. It's really good. It's really good. That's what we're telling you. Yeah. I just mostly, all my notes are like, love that. (laughs) Underline, love that. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So get ready for a lot of enthusiasm, is what we're saying. Um, So here's what happened in episode two. We open with Billy. He's alive, but he's being tortured. And then we flash back to see that Hamilton and Flint are officially partners and trying to figure out the root causes of the problems in Nassau and what they need to do to fix it. We then flash forward to see Flint talking to Silver, and Silver wants one big prize. He's not interested in being a pirate. Flint wants to be captain again. In the brothel, Anne feels really guilty about Max, but she's still sleeping with her, um, but she's feeling bad about it because of Jack. On the ship, Silver is inspired by Randall to give a daily announcement of gossip to try and turn the men against each other and rely on him. Meanwhile, Flint lays the groundwork for his own plan by counseling Dufresne to not take a ship because the crew is not ready. We flash back to see Flint talking with his supervisor and admitting that he's starting to believe in Hamilton and his cause, but he then gets into a bar fight because a fellow officer insults Miranda. Mr. Meeks meets with Eleanor and tells her that they have a really valuable item, but he can't tell her what it is. He wants her to depose Ned Lowe in exchange for the item. Vane actually shows up to her meeting, and he urges her to forget this whole plan. Jack pushes Max about Anne and ends up even more confused than he was before. Dufresne and DeGroote decide to go against what Flynn suggested, and they fall right into his plan. Silver tries out his first goings-on, and he gets beaten up for it. Flint asks him why he thinks this is going to work, and we hear a little bit about Silver's past. Ned goes into Eleanor's bar to threaten Mr. Meeks and ends up cutting off his head. Eleanor confronts him, and her Irishman tries to challenge him, but is also killed by Ned. Silver does his fourth goings-on, and he still gets beaten up, but they're listening, and a story about the dairy goat sways them. The crew sees a ship, decides to take it. However, all does not go to plan when the captain rebels and fights back. Flint ends up taking command to sink the ship. Eleanor visits Vane and asks for his help. She offers a special prize to Vane and his crew in exchange for their protection. Max and Anne are in bed together when Jack walks in and presents their problem and his solution for a new crew. And we end with Dufresne confronting Flint and conceding the captaincy to him. Wow, what a packed episode. I know. So much. So much happens. So Billy. Billy's yeah, back. Billy's back. Woo! Woo-hoo. And he's getting awfully tortured. Yeah. But that's all we know, right? Yeah, that's basically all we know. So the point of that scene is just Billy's alive. He's yeah. being tortured. Yeah. He's he's looking okay. He's looking pretty rough. He's looking pretty <laughs> rough, but like he's got all his limbs and he's yes. like he's alive. He's alive for sure. Um Cool. So he's mm-hmm. out there doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um so last episode you talked you said you don't like Ned. Yeah, I don't like Ned. You still not like Ned. <sighs> No, mostly because he killed Mr. Meeks, who... Well, okay, I'm, I don't like I Ned. <laughs> I don't like him. No, I know. I, but as a character, I'm still not any more interested or intrigued in him. I, I continue to fall into the web of like, oh, Ned's a good, good play here. Because in this episode, so we said last time he's like a change agent, whatever. And yeah. he has that confrontation with Eleanor where you're like, ooh... Mm-hmm. Like, this guy is trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and he will upset whatever it is that Eleanor has done here and has been sitting pretty on. Um, in this episode, he really majorly disrupts it in such a way that I'm like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. I mean, especially because it happens right after her scene with Vane where he's like, where he says, you have to stop acting like you're able to protect yourself. Because yeah. you're not. Yeah, I got that. I don't know. He just say he still feels like a plot. No, he's absolutely a plot device. Yeah. But the plot device that he introduces is sorely needed. Sure. The idea that like th- this this tension now that we have that's like what is going to happen to Eleanor? What, how is she going to resolve this? How is she going to move forward from this incident in a way that still gives her power and um, doesn't rely on Vane stepping in and saving the day? Is like. Is intriguing. And yeah. I expect another Breaking Bad type move from her. 
Yeah. Like, well, it seems like she is asking Vane to step in and save the day. Because at the end, when she offers him the prize, she's like, your crew now has an incentive to protect me because they'll get this major prize. I don't know what it is, but like, no, you, you have a reason. Yeah. It's a tricky scenario. Mm-hmm. She loses majorly in this episode. Yeah, she does. And it's rough. Yeah. Also, Mr. Meeks, poor Mr. Meeks, and oh, poor Mr. the Meeks. Irish guy. I never learned his name, <laughs> but we loved the Irish guy. He was so loyal. He was so loyal, but not anymore. Well, he's still loyal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's still loyal. Um, but uh, does Ned have any good lines or any, any of that sort of stuff? Probably mm-hmm. not, right? Not really. And he's just like... I'm not ready to leave yet. Oh, when he says it's an uncertain world, best to live in the now. Sure. It's like it is a repetition. Well, I mean, it's just the flip side of the coin that, again, they've been building the show with all these pirates that are like vicious in their own ways, but they're all basically good. They're all basically sympathetic. We all get in their intentions completely. And this is the flip side. This is the evil side of the coin. This is the chaotic side of the coin where it's like, yeah, but what if you took all this energy and instead of devoting it to like building up your business like Jack or securing a future for pirates like, like, um, uh, uh, Flint or securing a future for your pirates like Eleanor. What if you just lived in it now and just like tried to cause as much chaos as possible and just like keep it for yourself? Yeah. Cause even Vane retreats from that. Even Vane is like, Vane wants to come off as like, you know, I'm just big tough tough pirate and I'm just going to throw my weight around. But like in the end of the day, he he wants to at the end of the day be the guy sitting in the fort mm-hmm. and with total control. Mm-hmm. And he's willing to play the long game to do that. He's not so worried about the quick buck, the like quick uh, gratification, all that stuff. Yeah. So anyway, Ned as a character is uninteresting, but what he introduces to the show is sorely needed. This chaos, this this like the concentration of living in the now that we've seen from the other characters, except just concentrated on watching the world burn. Yeah. And and I, I think that the actor does a good job. Yeah. I'm, I just, I don't know. I just wish there was, like, one more side to him that we got to see. Yeah, and I love also that Mr. Meeks, like, totally turns against him. Yeah. Um. Also, I love that scene where he says, I hear you depose captains. Yeah. It's a good, and because he looks at her with like such fear and I like uh, intention. Yeah. I don't know. He says, "I came here because I heard that you have the power to shift to to depose captains." Mm-hmm. It's cool, but it's also like tragic. It is, but it's also like this whole thing with from season one with Max and Vane's crew and has really, I think, shaken Eleanor. Because she can no longer just make these statements. No. Like, Vane says she's she's a tyrant who's too weak to enforce her own tyranny. She didn't used to be that way. She used to do whatever she wanted. Mm-hmm. But something has definitely changed where she can no longer do that. Mm-hmm. She can't support the reputation that she's built for herself. Well, and it was always, like, a false power to begin with. Like, mm-hmm. she when he says, I hear you, I hear, like, I hear you have the power to do that... We've seen that that power lies in the people. Mm-hmm. Like, on Flint's crew, what deposes a captain is the crew. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have one source of power that's, like, moving the captains around the map like chess pieces. If you... And that's why that scene is so scary to me also, because Mr. Meeks is like, I can't... I'm not going to rally a mutiny on this ship right now because yeah. it keeps them happy. Right. But that is the way that you depose captains, is to turn the crew against them. Right. Oh, poor Mr. Me. I know. It's really, it sucks. It does suck. It also is just so vicious that it happens in Eleanor's bar. Also that he cuts his head off with a dagger. Yeah, that's brutal. he's sawing his head off. And everybody's just watching. It's really rough. But that's why it's so rough for Eleanor. Yeah. Everybody just sits there and watches this guy piss all over her kingdom. Mm -hmm. And it's scary. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um... But that's it, right? Yeah. I mean, he also, I think, is definitely targeting her because she's a woman. Yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons that she's pissing him off so much. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's not so much of that. It's definitely there. It's, it's definitely there. there. It's there. But I'm glad the show doesn't or hasn't yet gone I just, all the way with that. I just noticed it because it, it at the first time when he's talking to the crew and Mr. Meeks is like, you need to be nice to her. He's like, I was just telling the crew right. how fun it would be for me to rape her in front of them. Mm-hmm. And they thought it was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there, there is... He senses there's an even greater power imbalance because she's a woman. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and that's I'm glad that that's not in this. Uh, that's in the script, and but not, it's not in the, the number one reason. Yeah, and not that he goes in there and like re- attempts to rape her. Right. I'm glad that, that he too. goes in there and cuts off Mr. Meeks's head and kills the Irishman. Yeah. You know. Totally. Um. Yeah. So that's that's and does Vane have any shining moments? Not really. He's he's still I sort of sulking around. I like when he shows one, up at the meeting. I like that he shows up to the meeting. I mean, the interesting part is that he just is sort of he's being a truth teller for Eleanor right now. Of like, this is not working. Yeah, <laughs> like something needs to change because this is not working. Um, but also, I kind of wanted to be like, dude, give it like a couple more weeks. Like, <laughs> she's only tried it like one time. Right, but that's why like. Tracking it now from, because the status quo changes so much. Yeah. And trying to remember how we get here and, and, and what is the arrangement. And just remembering, like, Vane seized control of the island mm-hmm. and then made a deal with Eleanor where he said, this is a nice status quo where mm-hmm. you do your bit and I do my bit. And he's being so shitty. Yeah. Because he's turning around and being like, well, wait, actually, maybe you can't do this by yourself, so why did I want to participate? Yeah. And it, it's just... I mean, he's right, but it's shitty. <laughs> it's a little shitty. It's also interesting, though, that we get the reveal where he doesn't have full control over that crew. Which crew? His, like, crew from the from the island. Who are all in the fort with him. Mm-hmm. Because he says, I can't protect you because there's nothing in it for my men. And they're not going to do anything unless they get something. Mm-hmm. Like, he is not 100% in control. Mm-hmm. He needs to have some additional incentives for his crew, which is just interesting. Mm-hmm. Both of their sides aren't really working. No. Um, which is, like, which is a great contrast to, um, or it's great to see that parallel with the flashbacks to mm-hmm. London. Mm-hmm. Which we can talk about later, I guess. But no, I'm I mean, yeah. I mean, they talk about the instability of the region and what is the root of the instability and all that. And they're talking about the past, but you, but you can't help but watch that and be like, "Shit's crazy now." Yeah. It's like if someone just stepped in and said, "This is all mine now." It's like ripe for that. Mm-hmm. All they needed, all they need, is more guns. I mean, they basically say the problem is leadership. Yeah. They just say there's there hasn't been a good or honest governor there. Yeah. And that's the reason. The pirates aren't the problem. The leadership is the problem. Right. Which is another way of saying that Eleanor hasn't really solved the problem. Yeah. Which is, but but we know because we've watched the story and we've seen her that, like, it's not like it's her fault. Yeah. She's the only, yeah. Yeah. But it's a, it's, it's interesting. It's a complicated situation. And the contrast to the flashback or the, that story running parallel to something that happened years ago is interesting because mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I spend the whole thing watching just thinking where is in England now, mm-hmm. whatever happened to these plans that James McGraw was making with Thomas Hamilton. Yeah. And we don't know how the, what happened there, but like someone's got to be noticing that Nassau is just sitting there. Yeah. Um, and somehow those plans that they're making didn't happen. Right. Or happened and completely failed. Right. Cause they seem to be back in the same place they were. NASA seems to be back in the same place right. as they when they were planning. Um, we do get a little bit um, at the beginning of Hamilton quoting the Bible and uh, and the creation story, mm-hmm. and we get this great shot of Flint sitting alone when he talks about man being created and then seeing that man needed a partner. Mm-hmm. And Hamilton's basically like, and that's why we need each other. But we also see a shot of Flint and Silver, mm-hmm. like immediately after that too. Mm-hmm. So we can really see that these two, these two pairings, need each other mm-hmm. 
Flint can't be alone mm-hmm. in either of those pairings. Mm-hmm. Um, which is cool. Yeah, it's very cool. And uh, I think this is... Hamilton also says, um, strange pairs, they can achieve the most unexpected things. Yeah. And we again, we see Flint and Silver again. Strange pairs. Yep. Well, I mean, everything that happens in the flashbacks sort of speaks for itself. Like, he, James gets in a fight because of his status being next to the Hamiltons, and people sort of make fun of him for somehow, I don't know, like, just cavorting with uh, the upper yeah, class. I mean, they're basically like, you're low class... And then they make a crude joke about Mrs. Hamilton. And they say literally that he is the son of a carpenter's mate, mm-hmm. um, which is, I guess, the most far back backstory we've gotten for Flint slash James. Yeah. Um, but that totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. When Flint is in this, when we first saw the flashback of him in the Navy and all this stuff, it didn't he didn't strike me as someone who was... Uh, Upper class. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh... Yeah, I don't really... What else? I think that sort of also highlights, though, how progressive Thomas Hamilton is. That he wants someone like that? Yeah, that he's, like, judging Flint based on his ability to to um, debate with him and, like, work together and think together on this problem. Like, he doesn't really care about his social standing or... Yeah, I mean... He just wants a smart guy to yeah. talk to him. What is the thing he says in the last episode where he's like... I forget what he says. He says, you're too young, or I don't want someone who's at the beginning of their career because I don't want them to see this as just an opportunity to get ahead. Yeah. But isn't that what James, isn't that what James is? Or he wanted James? I forget what he said. He basically just said, like, that's my concern. But James is at the beginning of his career. Yeah, basically. He's kind of up and coming in the But, so Thomas just acknowledges that he's like, that is a nerve that I, or a... a Yeah, he's like, just make sure that you're in this for the right reasons. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think we see in this episode that Flint is starting to really embrace Hamilton's reasons as, like, a a moral cause. Right. And really starting to admire him. Yeah. Yeah, he, like, he, t- he like, starts a fight at this bar because these guys yeah. say these things. And like a brutal fight, a brutal too. fight. And like his command or his captain or whoever that guy is says yeah. that line where he's like, you have a lot of extreme or you have a lot of tension in you or like something. Yeah. And we don't know what's going to happen when it's exposed to extremes. Yeah. And but the thing is, like, you get the sense from the Flint that we know now that he could have held that together. Mm. Flint can handle being mocked. Now he can. Right. No, I know. Yeah. But like. That the Flint who snapped so easily when the guy started ridiculing him did not seem like a familiar Flint to me. Um, I agree. But also, we've seen Flint snap in different ways now. Like, we've seen him kill people. I guess we've seen him kill people. That's true. That's <laughs> because of, like, a hunch that he had. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Um, That's it I have for the flashback. Yeah. Let's talk about our juicy love triangle. Okay. What? I wasn't sure what you were going to say there. (laughs) (laughs) It's a juicy love triangle. It is a juicy love triangle. (laughs) You're just trying to tell me it's not juicy? It's very juicy. (laughs) It's a serious love triangle. It is. It is. Max, Um, Anne, and Jack. It's the new Archie, Betty, and Veronica. So we've got Anne feeling guilty about Jack and that she's embarking on this new partnership without him. And I'm still questioning Max's motives. Me too. Especially after that conversation with Jack where she says, I removed the cause of her frustration. Yeah. Very clinical. Yeah, it is. Like she just went in there and removed something that was obstructing another thing. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And she's, she's so practiced. It feels like in that conversation with Jack too, where she's like, 
I know what she wants and what she needs, and she's wanted it for a long time, and you couldn't give it to her, so there. It's done. I don't know. I feel I feel nervous for Anne. And I feel bad for Jack. I know, and they do a really good job. You, you know, I think this storyline is could be really clumsy. Mm-hmm. And especially Jack's reaction to all of it. Mm-hmm. And he is he does such a beautiful performance, mm-hmm. really. Like it's just full of heartbreak more than anything. Yeah. I mean he's he's basically going after Max being like, I know Anne. Anne is my partner. She's like my life partner. Jack is basically saying, I I love her and I know her better than anybody and she knows me better than anybody. And having to be confronted with this whole new thing that you just didn't know about somebody. I mean, I'm sure he just feels guilty. Like, how did I not know this about her? I don't know if it's guilt. Mm -hmm. I think it's, um, I mean, I think it's a really identifiable thing in a man Mm-hmm. to say for him to be like, I've given her everything she's ever wanted. Yeah. Like, wh- how could she want more? Um, and it's not like righteous indignation. It's just, it's just like, um, it hurts. Yeah. It's not like she doesn't want me anymore. It's that like, I have gone out of my way or he has the feeling of. Like, I've given her everything I have. Yeah. And it's not enough. Right. Well, and of course, like, that's not really true obviously yeah but jack feels that way because of the time and the all those things mm-hmm. um but i don't think he's like he's i don't think he's yet at this point in the episode processed the feeling of oh um i've been keeping Anne from something that she really wants mm-hmm. i think he's he, at the point in this episode he's processing uh what more is there yeah you know like I, i've our partnership has been profound. Yeah. You know? It has been profound. Yeah. And I feel like Anne is just confused. Does Anne have a lot of dialogue in this episode? No, but she never really does. <laughs> she has her scene with Max where she says, you know, like, Jack Jack saved my life. And when that happens, you, you owe part of your life to somebody. Which I don't know if that's a bad thing, but it's rather than just stating a fact about their relationship. Like, she feels connected to him and that she owes him some kind of love or partnership because he saved her at one point. Yeah, that's not great. It's not great. I don't know, but it also is sort of like, I don't know, the word owe is not great. But the idea that you're connected to somebody because they did something that helped you is nice. Yeah. So that's sad. But also then it has like a great resolution for this episode with that last scene where Jack walks in. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he also like, it's a, it's a resolution to, it's a resolution to this little mini drama they're having in this episode about just how is Jack going to come to terms with this Mm -hmm. side of Anne. Um, But then also it's a resolution to like what's been going on since a little bit of season one where it's like, what are they doing? Yeah. And he's like, I know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We're going to be pirates again. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to we're gonna combine the three things that we're all really good at. Yeah. And we're going to be the best damn pirates ever. It's cool. It is cool. And I love... And, yeah, it's cool because he's also reasserting his power as, like... Uh, I guess as a man, but... As, as someone with ambition, he's reasserting that, like, I have a goal. I have a way to work towards that goal. Like, I'm not just going to get beat up and peed on all the time. Like, I'm going to work towards something. Which is attractive, I think, to Anne. And at the same time, he's also reasserting his power as her partner because he says, come to bed when you're done. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't really even address Max as an equal. Well, he does in the partnership. In the partnership, but not in the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. 
It um it reminds me of <laughs> I'm personally watching Mad Men right now, mm-hmm. which I've never watched before. I'm watching it. I've been watching it very slowly, um, and uh, it's good. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> it's, it's pretty. A, it's a very good. Show it's though. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm there's so much about uh, work relationships versus personal relationships Mm -hmm. and uh and just the relationship to to your work yeah versus to um people and your family and people that you love and i was reminded of that while watching this scene because it feels like jack to assert to reassert any sort of dominance over the situation just needs to get back to work yeah like he just needs to fit right back into the it's not like he feels most comfortable as a pirate it's like he's got to be scheming yeah he's got to be planning he's got to be quartermastering he's got to be allocating the people and the resources and planning mm-hmm. um and because it's not even like he's trying to make a plan to get him and Anne out of there mm-hmm. or like just stow away on a ship and become pirates again he is involving max which tells me that he is going to try to navigate this confusing personal relationship through a work relationship. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, which um, I thought was really interesting. Yeah. It's a good solution. Yeah. For now. Yeah. Speaking of pirates, let's talk good about transition. some, let's talk about some GD pirates on this pirate <laughs> TV show. Okay. Let's okay. Let's talk about them. Okay. So, um, this is my favorite episode <laughs> because of this these multi, these plot lines with Silver and Flint on the pirate ship, um, but they're mostly separate, which is great. Mm-hmm. But and then they come together for these little moments. Um, but I want to talk about Silver for a second. Okay, uh, Silver's. Um, we've already seen a little bit of this in the first episode of this season, but. It feels like there is a conscious pulling back of the curtain a little bit, not of who exactly Silver is, but just mm-hmm. to see him scheming, just to see him in these decision-making moments, whereas before we didn't really see him, we just sort of saw this actor, like, sort of smile and then say, I've got a plan. <laughs> and here we're seeing him actually actually come up with plans yeah. and actually be scared about them. And... uh have doubts and all those things. But especially we actually have a conversation between him and Flint about what he is actually after, mm-hmm. uh, which is not as profound as Flint's monologue about what he's after in episode two of the whole show, but is more or less clear. Mm-hmm. Like, he says, I don't want to be a pirate. Yeah. <laughs> he says, I don't actually like being on a ship. Yeah. I don't like any of this. <laughs> what I want is freedom. Mm-hmm. And it's freedom from all of this BS. Mm-hmm. And what that means for me right now is riches beyond imagination. Yeah. And right now I've identified you as the cl- the thing that is the closest thing to me that's going to get me rich beyond my imagination. Mm-hmm. And I'm sticking with you. Yeah. And it's so... Um, it's so, um, you know, not profound, Yeah, <laughs> which is like Flint is out here, no matter what he's like, whether he's lying to himself or whatever, but Flint is just like bleeding nobility and like dignity in this, in this quest for the gold. And Silver's just like, man, I just want the gold. Yeah. Like I, I just want it. I don't like anything actually. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like anything. Like, yeah. do we know what he likes? Uh, no. We don't know. So, yeah. So, anyway, after, like, more than a season of seeing Silver do these things, this is the first time he's like, this is actually what I want. And I think, uh, I don't know, watching him, I believe him. But, obviously, he's also, like, the master liar of fiction. So I believe that he wants treasure, but I think that he hasn't really dug deep into himself to figure out like what what does treasure mean to him like I feel like money like a large amount of money means different things to everybody maybe it means a house maybe it means college maybe it means you know it it means something different and to Flint it means a whole bunch of different things 
But we don't know what the money means to Silver. Right. All he says... We just know he wants money. The closest thing we get to what he wants from it is the word freedom. Yeah. But we don't know what that actually looks like for him. Right. We know the things he doesn't like, but we don't yeah. know what he's chasing. Exactly. We also don't get any sense that he's, like, suffered abuse or, like... Uh, that, th- that his life is incredibly frustrating in some way. Like, he just was trying to get away from it all. Mm-hmm. He seems like a perfectly affable guy. Yeah. You know? It's not like he's... Cha- it doesn't seem like he's running away from any dark de- internal demons yeah. or anything, you know? I mean, the only thing we hear about him is that he used to be in an orphanage. Right. With another little boy who did the same method. Of trying to get the kids on his side. Yeah. Um... Yeah, which I guess is, you know, he's in an orphanage, and he, he grew up without parents. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's dark enough. It's cool that in this episode, we get a little bit of both of their backstories. We yeah. get Flint was the son of a carpenter's mate. Silver was in an orphanage. Yeah. Um, as, you were, as you were talking, I was thinking about how, and you were like, this money means so much to everybody. I'm a little, I don't know if it's a fault of the shows or... Just on the second time around, I really wish we got more of a sense that seeing the gold on the beach changed everybody. Yeah. That, like, you just don't get the sense that Flint has seen it with his own eyes. For all the stuff that he's been saying about how much he's been chasing this and how much it means to him, uh, you know, we saw a little bit of of it in episode one, but now they've seen the piles and piles of gold, and they've been, like, a mile from it. And they don't seem all that changed or reinvigorated in their mission. Silver certainly doesn't. Silver certainly just seems like, yeah, I want that gold. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, maybe, maybe this is a weird thing to find lacking in the show. But, like, I just wish that we had seen another scene of Flint saying, oh, my God, it's right there. And all of a sudden, everything that I've tried to achieve as a pirate is, like, coming to fruition. And it's right there. Who would he say that to, though? Yeah, that's a good point. I Like, he might be having those thoughts internally that's really hard to communicate with no dialogue. I don't really know who he would say that to, and I think right now he's just got bigger problems. Yeah, he certainly has bigger problems. I just, I just wish now, I guess, that we know that Flint, or that Silver is really there for the gold, that we had a moment where Silver really lusted for it. I mean, but maybe that's telling that, like, maybe he doesn't have a purpose for the gold. Yeah. You know, maybe he's just like, well, that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, he doesn't really have anything else going on right now. And if he was rich, things would be easier because things are always easier if you have more money. Yeah. Like, maybe that's as far as he's gotten with what he wants. Yeah. So boring. Like, it's good boring. Yeah. It's good boring because this is like a foundation from which you can create a yes. character with compelling motivation. Mm-hmm. Like, for all for all we felt like that F- Silver was a misstep from the beginning or that he gave us a bad first impression from the start, it's actually a good canvas from which to, over the course of this show, paint the picture of who Silver will become. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it'd be boring if we got Long John Silver, the first episode of the right, show. Right, And it would be, well, I'm not, I guess that I wouldn't say that. It wouldn't be bad if he started off with a, a huge noble mission like Flint, mm-hmm. and then we saw his fall from grace. Sure. Um, but, I don't know. We've got a guy with all, all of these social skills, not many pirate skills, but social skills, who doesn't even doesn't know what he wants yeah he's so millennial oh my god <laughs> i apologize we we are millennials <laughs> we can say that um and that's the most you're gonna find out about us <laughs> okay what else oh i also about? just love that um that when both of them tell each other their plan they're both like what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's your plan? That's yeah. never going to work. Yeah. And then, of course, they do both work. Yeah. Yeah, there is an aspect of this show totally feeling like it's in a pirate adventure book. Yeah. Um, which is fine. 
These yeah. are characters from a pirate adventure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so so before we just move on to Flint, Silver's plan is to. He says, I don't have to make them like me. I have to make them need me. Mm-hmm. And then what he comes to, the conclusion he comes to based on his recollection of his mem- of, of this orphanage and his experience with Randall is if I can become the whisper on the ship of the rumors of what's actually going on, I can actually sink into the background and become the background noise that they need to hear because the background noise of gossip and rumor mongering is stuff that they will always want. Yeah. And I will remind them through that that they hate each other more than they hate me. Mm-hmm. And I will become a voice that they actually need because they need gossip and they need to hate each other. Yeah. Um, they need... Monsters. They, they, yeah. I was going to say shame. Yeah, they need shame. Which is... Civilization. Civilization. It's all connected. Oh, my God. No, but I mean, it, it is literally silver exploiting the men the men's insecurities and anxieties about each other. Yeah. Actually, insecurities and anxieties is maybe not the right word, but yeah, we, we, we said it. It's Mm -hmm. the shame. It's Mm -hmm. the shame thing. Um, and he wields it so, you know, masterfully. Yeah. And also, and Flint does not recognize it. No, but you get the sense even that silver doesn't recognize it. I think I get the sense from Silver that he's like, look, I saw this work before, (laughs) so I'm going to do it. Yeah. I don't really know why it works or how it works, but I know it works. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's probably the best assessment of his plan. Yeah. Um, Okay, so that's Silver. Now Flint. Flint. (laughs) Goddamn. Captain Goddamn Flint. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Mr. Goddamn Flint. When someone calls him Mr. Flint in this episode, I was like, who do you think you are? (laughs) Um, uh, yeah, I mean, the whole scene, manipulating Dufresne, sicking Dufresne and his crew on this merchant ship, Mm -hmm. it was, it's, it's two things. It was like, it, it was, a. kind of, I think what I wanted from the show from the beginning, which was, I want to hear how the pirates plan this thing, like how they plan out the theatrics of what they're doing. Yeah. And everything from Flint saying like, you got to raise the black at the exact right moment. Yeah. You too soon. And this happens too late. This happens. And then saying every step of it, like it's not over till it's over. This is all part of the performance. This is all part of the whole pirate thing. It's like a, um, it's like a spy movie. Yeah. Like a mission impossible where there's always like the narration of the plan, but you see them actually doing the parts of the plan. Yeah. Yeah. But, but this serves not just for this immediate one where you're like, what's going to happen. But also for me, just like a little bit into like Flint and like Flint's mind and why he is a good captain. Yeah. And, uh, or why, and why he's a great leader. Um, because he just, I mean, maybe the, what he's narrating in this scenario is very specific to, um, to the job of pirate captaincy. Yeah. But, like, his ability to, in the heat of the moment, make a call yeah. and read the situation, I mean, that's what it's all about. Um, yeah. But anyway. And uh, also the moment where it, we get to see what the what the general crews think of Flint. Yeah. When Dufresne goes on the ship and the captain goes, are you him? Are you him is the <laughs> best is the best <laughs> moment in the show <laughs> because it is like finally we see a little bit of the legend of Captain Flint yeah. a little like outside the pirates and what you get with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, what is the the moment that Flint narrates right up until that moment when he says this is the most important part yeah. where the guy where where the captain is starting to doubt. He's starting to doubt that he made the right decision, that uh-huh. he's making the right decision for his men, for his business owners, for all those things. And he's going to look extra close at everything and make sure that what he was expecting is actually there. Uh-huh. What is, oh, God, there was a, um, there was something about, like, the, the thing that you feared the most is actually nowhere to be found. Yes. Is And then, are you him? Oh, yes. it's so good. Yes. It's so good. Um also, Flint says, you know, these men don't fear guns. They don't fear pirates. Yeah. And Silver says, what do they fear? Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. So I thought, so in that moment, he said, yeah, 
what do they fear? And then we don't get the answer, but mm-hmm. then all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Um, I, in that moment, I was like, is it him? Is it just specifically him? Like, mm-hmm. they fear these stories. Yeah. They fear the, the myth of Captain Flint. Yeah. And, like, they fear fear itself, you know, like, sort of thing, where it's, it's like, it doesn't matter what it is, you just got to create fear. Yeah. Um, but that's not actually ever addressed or said. I don't know if it was um, fear of, like, appearing weak. I thought that, too, but it just doesn't... I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, because that is the rest of the story that he's telling, where he says, like, they look around and they start to have doubts about how they handled the situation. Yeah. And, like, their greatest fear suddenly becomes... Right, like what you said, being weak. But that seems weak to me. <laughs> that seems, yeah. like, not so compelling. Maybe that's why he didn't say it. Yeah, he was like, well, the last part's lame. boring. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, well, we don't answer that silver. Well, the cause. last part's being weak. <laughs> <laughs> um, what if he's... Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, then he finishes the try, like, this, this, this master plan by... Stepping in at the moment. I said in the season one, episode eight finale to you and Ned, mm-hmm. uh, not Ned, the vicious pirate, but Ned, our friend. Yes. Um, that I thought there was a palpable moment where Dufresne showed hesitance and that it was supposed to be an example of how where Flint doesn't show hesitation. That's what makes him an effective leader. Even if he's steering them down the wrong path, uh-huh. he boldly leads them that way and doesn't allow for doubt. Um, and it's exactly that moment that he exploits here where they say, what are we doing? And then they yeah. say there's no leadership or there's no one in charge here. Yeah. Yeah. Someone is like, I think Dufresne is even like, I'm in charge here. You have to do what I say. And um, I forget his name right now, but the other crewman goes, no one's in charge here. Yeah. And then Flint comes in and he says, you have to sink it. Yeah. You have to sink it. You have to sink it or else... That flag is garbage. And then he says fire. And they do. <laughs> yeah, the way he just turns around and says fire. Yeah. <laughs> um, this this resolution to the story is what tells me that it's fear. Is that yeah. he says, you have to make sure no one lives to tell the tale because the most important currency you have on the seas is fear. Yeah. Um, and it's fear of the flag, fear of the pirates, and it's fear of me. Yeah. Um. Yeah, what a great episode. What or great what a great episode. story mm-hmm. um, within this episode. Mm-hmm. But I just mean, like, this adventure of the, like, one day that Dufresne was captain. Yeah. Um, I did the scene where Dufresne, like, is in the is in the captain's, uh, in the office. Or mm-hmm. what is it called? The captain's quarters? quarters? Um, and he says, is it possible that you orchestrated this whole thing? Yeah. And that you let those men die and, like, d- what led us into this destruction all for your own plan? And I was a little bit, like, that scene rang a little false to me. Because I thought, yeah, dude, you you know that he murdered Gates. You know that. I think, though, that he thought he was too smart. That Dufresne was too smart. Yeah. I think that Dufresne thinks that he's, because he can read and because he knows numbers... I think that he thinks himself of as really smart and he's like that's that plan was just for your crew to lose. Like that was your ultimate goal is that you wanted us to feel like idiots, die and lose. And and I don't think he's like horrified like you're such a monster. But I think he's more like that's messed up. Like yeah. you're twisted, and and I don't want to be captain if that's what it takes. Yeah. The other thing about Dufresne is that, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think he he is like he envisions a different kind of leadership that's like honest and 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 facts driven and like where he just gets to be outsmart everybody. Um, mm-hmm. But he's but the problem with that is that you, you, he's clearly relieved that he doesn't have to fight this other ship. Yeah, he's been in one battle. You have to be ready for that outcome. He just wants to go around in his big warship and take prizes by not actually doing anything. Right. And it's like, even if the smartest outcome, even if a proper military commander like Flint in his prime would take that ship without any fight whatsoever, you have to be ready to fight. 
Yeah. You have to be willing to kill and, and fight to, to do it effectively. Um, the other thing I was thinking as you were saying that is, um, uh, Dufresne is, he, it's probably not occurring to him, but it's just like, he shouldn't have let Flint live. Yeah. He should never have made this deal with Flint. He should never have honored his word. It's just like, and, and the thing is, Flint knows that. Um, and now I'm saying this and thinking like the logical next thing to do would be for Flint to just murder Dufresne. It's just like, cause that's been Flint's MO for the whole rest of the show. It's like, you got to snuff this out while it's. Yeah. I, f- I feel like he's going to kind of cool it for a little bit though. Cause that's what got him into so much trouble to yeah, begin you're with. Right. You're right. But I'm, I guess I'm saying if Flint was in Dufresne's situation, Flint would have known, oh, you can't have them just sitting on the crew ready to like go back and be tried. Like yeah. that's. No, Flint would have never let that happen. It's just like um, what we were saying also about Eleanor, too. Eleanor, same way. Eleanor would have said, like, that's just too much of a liability. Yeah. Um, for exactly this reason. Yeah. Um, I was going to save it for the notes, but we're here anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dufresne has this moment where he says, is it possible you would let those men die, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and it just occurred to me that the show doesn't do a great job of making those losses really felt. Like, mm-hmm. I know, and talking about the show and watching the show, like, yeah, Flint has led men to death. And when they're talking about it in season one, they're talking a lot about it through flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Like, where Gates says he's led men on these missions that we didn't know the true goal, but men died for it. Yeah. Um, and I felt that very, like, intellectually and very, like, oh, wow, he did that. Um, and we saw it in the murder of, uh, or the attempted murder of Billy and uh, the murder of Gates and all these things. But in this episode, when he says, you would let those men die, I didn't feel like, oh, my God, those men are dying. Like, we haven't yeah. been, crea- we haven't really been established an empathetic I don't have a lot of heart for the crew of the walrus right now. I have a lot of there's heart a for couple. Silver and Flint. There's a couple. There's the um, the guy with his teeth. We see him a lot. The guy with the teeth? He puts his teeth in when they're going to... Oh, yeah, fight. yeah, yeah. There's the kind of scruffy guy with the beard who was the one who said, there's nobody in charge. Mm-hmm. And then there's the one Asian man with the long hair. Yeah, Randall. And, oh, and Randall. <laughs> yeah, Randall and uh, DeGroot. And DeGroot. So if Randall or DeGroot had died in that battle, I yeah. would have been like, oh shit, Flint is ready. Like, it, it all costs. Because they're the only characters that I really know. Mm-hmm. But, like, these other people on the ship, like, yeah, I've seen a few of them. I've seen them sometimes. But, like, the way these walrus scenes are done, and if we're going to be, laying, like, leading up to these big battles where does the story want us to feel that Flint is sacrificing men at the stake in order to get what he wants? I didn't really feel that. I mean, I know what happened. I saw the men die, but I don't care about him. I just wonder, yeah. am I supposed to care about him? I don't know. I think we're just supposed to be happy that Flint is back in his captaincy. I am. Yeah, me too. I just wish that, um, I know what you mean, but the thing is like the season one systematically off them all. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think if there was a loss of a significant crew member, we'd be like, more focused on that than on Flint winning his captaincy again. But then even it doesn't need to be like a named significant crew member. Like, like let's just see a little bit more day in the life of the walrus and how the men are all family and how like they all get along and play games and gamble and stuff like when they're and like yeah. how they have fun, like just to humanize them a bit. Like it's not like I don't think they're human. I just don't care about them. And there are little things that you could do little vignettes and little, moments that could get you to care about them even in this in the mess hall or whatever the the dining uh, cabin scenes where silver gives his speeches those are opportunities for me to feel like a little bit like oh these men watch out for one another and like care about each other and Mm -hmm. that the loss of a few is the law is a loss yeah um but like but no that doesn't really happen no I don't know. I just don't think they're the focus of our story. No. This story is not the story of the crew of the walrus. It's the story of Flint and Silver. Right. Um, Yeah. I just wish that I felt a little bit of the same horror that Dufresne felt when he's sitting there horrified in the cabin and says, you did this. 
Sure. And I'm sitting there giddily being like, yeah, he did this. <laughs> He's going to be captain again. Sure. All right. Any more tidbits that you have? Um, well, Jack had a great line when he said, all I've ever wanted was for you to be happy. Oh, yeah. Max is wearing a beautiful dress. Mm. That blue dress. Mm. We have another great line reading from Jack when he says, don't ya? <laughs> yeah. Oh, one thing I did want to mention is that it's so shitty of Flynn to bring up Gates when he's talking to Dufresne. He's like, oh, I feel so bad about Gates. Yeah. I wish I could do this to repay you. It's well, like, stop it. You do feel bad about Gates. No, he's he's doing that on purpose, right? Yeah, but I don't like that he's doing it. He's trying to make Dufresne hate him. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Also, of course... When Flint says, in less than two days, I intend to be captain again. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, that's all I got. All right. Follow us on Twitter. Review us on Apple Podcasts. You know the drill. Cool. Um, and... Well, a certain someone usually has a sign-off for the episode (laughs) who shall remain nameless. (laughs) But it seems like this week she's faltering. (laughs) So we're just going to sign off and go. Okay, bye. Bye.